Thanks so much for joining us and for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. Our hope as you listen in is that you might encounter Jesus, hear and receive his love, and be encouraged and empowered by his spirit to be and bring life and love to one another and to the other in your world. If you would like to get in touch with us or keep up to date with what's happening in and through the life of Steeple Church, please jump on to our website at steeplechurch.com.au or follow us on the socials via Facebook or Instagram at steeple.church. We're looking forward to meeting you one day soon, but in the meantime, enjoy the message. Bless you, fam. Friends, if Lent is about the paradox of joy, the poetry of spiritual maturity is paradox. Corey mentioned, uh, if you couldn't see the screens during the confession, maybe you want to confess on behalf of others. This is actually an image of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity and holiness in the Christian tradition is identification with Christ who takes on the sins of the world. There's this strange paradox that as we journey into baptism and take the journey of taking our baptism seriously, we start to identify with those whom Jesus hung out with all the time, those who ran to Jesus. While the religious authorities ran away because what they were doing was about to be exposed, those who were last and lost and least and left out and overlooked, they ran to Jesus because Jesus embodied a holiness that was mercy as He taught from his own mouth, be perfect in love as your heavenly father is perfect in love. What's required in Christian maturity is not perfection, but in the context of that passage in Matthew 5, when we get to verse 48, it's about the perfection of God's love that leaves no one out. In Aramaic, Jesus' own tongue and Hebrew, which he would have read and quoted the scriptures, you can't say the word perfect. There is no vision of sanctification found in Jesus that's about perfection. It's about bringing all that you are. That's why when we get to Luke's gospel and the same passage is found in our Lord's mouth, what he says is be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Be compassionate as your heavenly Father is compassionate. And anybody who knows the Hebrew scriptures knows that this is a reference to be holy as the Lord your God is holy. And what holiness looks like in Jesus is the transfiguration of all that we are. This one slide is the only slide that'll be in the short time that we've got left. It is an icon from a uh, Ukrainian iconographer. And um, I'm gonna be disciplined because um, this is a real passion for for me. In fact, um, in 2018, I was invited to present at an international orthodox symposium in Romania on a spirituality of transfiguring violence. And the transfiguration, I think, is so important for us and it is so beautiful in this season of Epiphany, of which this Sunday is the last. The last Epiphany before we get to Lent is the Theophany. I can't spell it. Even if we were playing Scrabble, I would need your help, but I know what it means. What it means is that it's an appearance of God. And what I want you to pay attention to in the image is those that know um, uh, something of uh, iconography. Um, This is called a mandola, a mandora. And uh, what you'll see is that often in iconography, it's the overlap of two different circles. Because one of the first paradoxes we encounter in Jesus is that 
our Christian witness of Orthodox Christianity is that Jesus is fully human. Our Lord is as human as the person sitting next to you right now, as human as you are right now. Jesus is fully human, but Jesus is also fully divine. And because we know this, this side of the resurrection, some of us cheat when we come to this passage and don't do the exegetical work, and we want to make the transfiguration being about a revelation of Jesus' divinity. But if we pay attention, it's not just Jesus who is there. We've got Moses, who's seen with the law, with the book, and Elijah. Now, maybe this is your first Sunday in church. Maybe you didn't grow up going to synagogue, nor did you spend time in Sunday school, not real clued in to like the all-stars of uh, those who predate our Lord. Um, Moses, he's the bloke that you probably saw in The Prince of Egypt, yeah? The Disney, like, he's the one who grew up in Pharaoh's household. His formation and spiritual learning wasn't with steeple, it wasn't under like me as a catalyst, but was instead under Pharaoh and empire. And yet he discovers an identity that is deeper than empire, which we must go through ourselves. An identity that is deeper than these systems of domination that we're formed in, that form our desires, that tell us what to want, want to have, who to follow. He discovers this and it shakes up his world and his wrestle with a God of all creation who is the God of liberation, who is the God of the Exodus, who is the God of justice. His struggle with that is that he ends up killing an Egyptian, one of those who were under him, and then he runs out and he goes bush, he goes desert, and he has to spend some time at getting empire out of him before he could lead people out of an empire. And Moses isn't here, presented here, as an example of what it is to be perfect, but what it is to bring your whole self. Some of us will know that Moses comes down with the two tablets, not tablets of tape, but tablets. See the movie. Um, he, he comes down with two tablets, and on the tablet, famously, is thou shalt not kill. Yet he gets to the bottom, and he sees that people have built a golden calf, and he turns, goes off script, turns to um, the Levites, the priestly class, and he says, get a sword. We're going to sort this out. We're going to have a holiness that is about perfection, cutting off, killing off, making things die that don't fit with what I've just experienced. He's literally just been in the presence and he was glowing. And so quickly he forgets well, the beauty that he has seen and instead he's calling people to wield a sword. 400 of his own people are slain on the ground. Now imagine for a second, I mean hypothetically, imagine for a second there were scandals that happened in a church in Melbourne. And imagine a way of approaching such scandals where you simply kill off, do away with, treat this like it's a public relations exercise, bury the bodies, act like that's them, not us. What Corey was talking about as a start with confession, Christian maturity, the paradox of what it is to undergo this journey is not to cut off but bring to light. The reason why we declare God's forgiveness and then confess is all that stuff that we say weekly, friends, and we will say it until it shows up in your dreams and you can speak it over yourself in the mirror and over your children, that God is love and there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That is who God is. And how dare us have the arrogance, the blasphemous arrogance to think that my sin could change the nature of God's face towards me. God's face is Jesus. He's always looked like Jesus. And God's face towards you today is Jesus. And you're like, well, Jared, what do I do with my stuff? What do I do with that stuff that I hope no one finds out? What do I do with that stuff that I've worked so hard to keep a secret? Why do I 
I keep those friends away from those friends because of what I did in that period of my life and not that period? How awkward birthdays are that I hope mum doesn't hear about. I don't hope that. Moses is an example of not how to be perfect, but bring your whole self. Towards the end of Moses' life, he's described as meekness. And those who are with us in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and if you missed out, we do it annually. Our Lord's teaching, the Alpha Course of the early Christians, is so important to Steeple Church that we will be formed in it each year because it is discipleship. Those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice are like a wise person. Which words? The Sermon on the Mount, the words Jesus is talking about. And you'll have heard that Moses was described as meek and meekness is nothing to do with mildness. Meekness is the same word that was used as a, for a stallion, where a stallion was trained and its strength was under control. Moses is an example, not of perfection, but bringing your whole self for transformation. The reason why Moses is here is not, here's what it is to get it right, but here's what it is to get it wrong and keep showing up and keep opening yourself to the light and keep, importantly, what does the voice say that speaks through the cloud as the uncreated light? Brother Joel, you go. This is my son. Even Moses is told to do what? Listen to him. Friends, Moses is also an icon of the Torah, of the scriptures, of, of our sacred scriptures. There is stuff in here that's messy as your stuff. That's the encouragement. That's why I know it's inspired. Because if this was a propaganda exercise, you'd edit that stuff out. Like if you were telling your family history, you would cut that stuff out. There's no way you want that stuff. And you're like, because it clearly doesn't look like Jesus. But this is spiritual maturity. You don't cut those things out of the scriptures or yourself. We have people who go, no, no, Marcionitism is wrong. Of course, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is part of our sacred scriptures. And yet how they approach those parts of themselves that don't look like what's revealed in Jesus is they cut them off, they hide it, they, they don't bring it for transformation. I could never confess that. I could never even look at that. The reason they're called blind spots is because we're blind to them. And that blindness is an intentional decision because we trust, and so many of us have experienced, because of the homes we've grown up in, or the schools that we've experienced, or the institutions that have formed us, that if I bring any of that stuff, I'm out, I'm done, they're coming after me. And you're not wrong. Often spaces are, they will come after you if you actually share that stuff. And the reason why that stuff is so threatening, your whole self is so threatening, is because they've got their stuff too. And if you're honest about what you need to confess, well then I might need to be honest as well. Pastors that fail in ministry are not different than any of the rest of us. That's what's so confronting. It, they're exactly the same. None of us are above this stuff. And that's why we can't put pastors up on a pedestal. They're our sisters and their brothers before they're anything else, open to the same stuff that is open to. And if we're to be a people of grace, a people of mercy, we don't leave them out. We issue that into the light, not with cover-ups and concealing, but with confession and accountability and healing, we feel more like AA than we do like a perfectionist club. I'm Jared, I'm a sinner. But part of what transfiguration spirituality is about is that you bring your whole self for transformation, not perfection. And as you do that, you become a safe person. You become Moses at the end of his journey, not Moses at the start. Friends, it's not just Moses up here, Elijah, again, you might not know the all-stars. Elijah, if Moses sums up the law, Elijah is the archetype of the prophets. 
That's why there's talk in here, did you pick it up, about Elijah? Mustn't Elijah come? Who's Elijah? It's very clear at the time. Elijah was talked about as John the Baptist's ministry. And John the Baptist's ministry, John, famously Jesus' older cousin, beheaded, went bad as he challenged empire and tried to lead his people out. But baptising our Lord, hearing the same thing that's spoken over him that has spoken over him here, the theophany of this is my child whom I love at Jesus' baptism, before Jesus has done anything. If this is how God relates to the second person of the Holy Trinity, our Lord, who is as human as you and me, don't you think that before we do anything, God loves us? Don't you think that mercy is there for us? Don't you think that that compassion is there for you? Elijah, for those who don't know the stories, Elijah, the prophets of Baal, the like, um, big like cookout, <laughs> they're needing to light the fire. Um, they're cutting themselves self-harm to, to bring down the fire. For the prophets of Baal, it's not working. Elijah struts in, uh, obviously a bit of an inflated ego, but he's on a journey like all of us. Good news is, if you're in that space, transfiguration can work with your life as well. Elijah sees God show up and fire comes down from heaven. This is why Jesus' disciples, when they're rejected by the Samaritans, they turned, actually, the two that are here, um, uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, turn to Jesus and say, do you want us to call down fire for heaven? Because they've just rejected you, Jesus. Like, if there's any ever a reason to, like, call down fire, surely it's rejecting Jesus, right? And Jesus replies, you don't know what spirit you're of. Because the Holy Spirit... <laughs> is the spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, the spirit that animated Jesus' ministry. If you want to know what the Holy Spirit feels like, and if that is in the discerning of spirits, the Holy Spirit, look at the life of our Lord. It feels like mercy. It feels like you can run with all the stuff you want to hide into a safe presence and it will transform you. The spirit that wants to animate our lives, the fire that wants to fall on our lives, is the fire that transfigures us so we can bring our whole self for transformation instead of play these messed up games of supposed perfection. Elijah has this incredible experience and what does he do in response? He calls a mob together to go after those who were doing stuff that he wasn't down with and the false prophet that was calling down fire experiences the false prophet Elijah who goes off script, does what God wasn't asking to do and actually slays them as well. And then Elijah goes away and he's feeling you, like we get this incredible picture of Elijah's own struggle. Like first in this ferocious wind and then in a fire and then in an earthquake. And as Elijah is experiencing his own internal violence and turmoil while hiding in, in this cave, the scriptures clearly say God was in none of these. But friends, what is it where Elijah finally experiences God in the what? Still, small voice. Friends, the reason why we're befriending silence is so that we can start to hear that still small voice where we can start to discern that this wind of rage that comes up in me, don't project that onto God. That's our stuff. Sometimes when I start teaching people contemplative prayer, they're like, no, no, I feel all these demons are trying to get in me. And I'm like, no, 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 they're trying to get out. That stuff you carry with you all the time, that anxiety you feel, that fire of judgment and condemnation, that's yours. Don't put that on God. And you're like, well, I'm not sure. I've got passages in the Bible that back up that God is like that. Yeah, if you're reading the Bible, without Jesus. Friends, this is our paradigm for reading the scriptures. The light 
of the uncreated Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, shines through Jesus and our messiness is welcome. Your internal Elijah, your internal Moses, it is welcome on the holy mountain. God wants to take all the stuff that you want to hide and wants to make it a vehicle that God's light shines through. I could teach so long on this. We haven't even got to the disciples and how it relates to 1 Corinthians 13 in the early church and the reflections of John Christostom, the silver tongue, and his talk of Peter being faith because he's just confessed. You know how it said at the start six days earlier? Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, giddy up. And then he goes, and this is what it's going to look like, a suffering, vulnerable, nonviolent love. And Peter's like, "Eh, eh, no. I'm not having any of it. And our Lord responds to the rejection of God's nonviolent revelation and nonviolent way by going, nup, it's not going to work. That's not how we're going to get free. That's not how salvation's going to come. No deliverance that way, no salvation that way. And our Lord says, get behind me, Satan. If you're new to church, that language, it means that's really not cool. Like, it, that's, that's kind of heavy language from Jesus. And then six days later, we have Peter who is a symbol of faith. And we have John, the younger brother, often shown in iconography, fresh shaved because he's not old enough yet. John, the apostle of love. So we have faith, love at the centre. And then we have Peter, um, as in the apostle Peter. Um, I know, Peter. uh, We have James, um, the apostle James, the first martyred amongst the 12. I know Stephen came first, but he wasn't part of the 12. Um, uh, And James is a symbol of hope, a hope that sees your life as precious and valuable and yet you're willing to lay down your life, lose your life for others because you will not collaborate with that which dehumanise and um, takes away the glory and the dignity of the image of God. Friends, the transfiguration is Christian maturity and this is the paradox of Lent, the joy of undergoing a God who's revealed to be light and love and in whom there is no unchrist-likeness, as we say every single week. I'm aware of the time, friends, so I'm going to land this. I'm dreaming about being here with you all. Uh, For those who don't know, I live in Wadjuk Noongar land on the other side of this very large continent. And so joining you weekly, uh, as our church does, um, watching the services and realising that you're in here, I had a dream about the cafe that, um, uh, like, and what's going to happen in that space in terms of what Corey and Andy and the the plans and the beautiful things that are going to happen. Are there any Leonard Cohen fans? So... I dreamt that we walked in and the cafe was open and it was full of all the kinds of people that you wouldn't find, quote-unquote, in a church, the kind of people that ran to Jesus. And as the place was humming, the conversation would be interrupted as somebody stepped across the threshold. Almost like, have people read C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce? This is an incredible scene of what the spirituality of transfiguration is about in the great divorce, where there's this like goblin on the shoulder of the central protagonist and he's about to step into this reality and there is an angel with a sword that's calling him to step across into the reality of heaven. And this thing on his shoulder is saying, don't do it, you can't trust it, don't do it, it'll kill us, it'll kill me, we can't trust it. And as he steps over, that thing isn't killed, 
it becomes a steed, it becomes a horse, it becomes this vehicle for him to ride into this new reality. The things in you that you fear are the very things God wants his light to shine through. The uncreated light of the Holy Spirit wants to come through that stuff that you're like, this is why I'm disqualified. No, it, you're qualified by that stuff and you don't have to be controlled by that stuff and it won't disappear, it'll be transformed into the very thing that goes, they're just like me. They're just as messed up as me. They've been addicted to the same stuff as me. I, I get it. And yet there is something in their life. Friends, whose testimony is this this morning? There is something in their life that looks like mercy, that looks like compassion, that looks like they're on an operating system that is run by love instead of the fear and the anxiety and the doubt and the sheer awfulness of so many of our quiet moments are filled with. That stuff longs to come out. And as people stepped across this threshold in here, what people could hear was Leonard Cohen's voice. Interrupting the conversations that people were in the cafe was ring the bells. Some of you know it. That still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. It is the cracks, it is the cracks in everything. That's how the light gets in. Friends, Moses, completely cracked. Elijah, completely cracked. This is not about perfection. This is about bringing your whole self for transformation. And the things you fear in your life are the very places that the transfiguring light of God wants to shine through. Friends, the invitation this morning is to go on this Lenten journey where instead of running away from those we want nothing to do with, like Jesus, we step in knowing that holiness is mercy and it's contagious. You can't catch that stuff. They catch compassion. They catch mercy. They catch grace. They catch forgiveness. And it will intimidate people who want to play control game spirituality. Because we fear a God who's light all the way down, whose darkness dazzles with goodness, not shame, who takes that which we don't want and detoxifies it so we can stand there safely and know I am a child of God. And so is everybody I encounter on every day. Friends, the kingdom of God, the reign of God, God's dream for creation is the transfiguration of all reality, Nicholas Bivyev said. All of reality will shine with the light that's seen in Jesus. But can you see here, the iconographer, and we finish with this as the band comes up and um, we move to move around that table where light and love is offered to us. If we were depicting Jesus's divinity, the iconographer would use blue. But the text, the text is actually about Jesus's humanity. That's why Elijah and Moses are seen here as well. They're not also divine. What we're seeing is that what it is to be human is revealed in Jesus. This is a word for someone. Some of us need to hear the reason why people fail is not because they're just being human. It's because they haven't seen what it is to be human in Jesus. In Jesus, humanity is compassion, is life operating on love. Irenaeus, the early church father, is often quoted as saying, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. It's a misquote. Irenaeus actually said, the glory of God is a human being living fully. Living fully. Some of our brothers and sisters are of a theology that we were made for the glory of God. As my mate Simon Moyle says, no, 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 we were made to become the glory of God. When our life runs on the light 
of the transfiguration, which we see clearly at Calvary in light of the resurrection, you can bring your whole self and know it's your cracks, your shame, the things that you want to hide, the things that you hope people will not see. That's the very stuff God wants to work with. As Jung would say, it's 90% gold, 90% gold. Would you bring all that stuff that we are today, that we can enter into Christian maturity and leave condemnation behind and live lives of humble compassion that shine with a light that was uncreated, that rose Jesus from the grave. Friends, let's pray. Hmm. Holy Spirit, I just um, I want to acknowledge that you've been here the whole time. Uh, I feel your presence. I feel what you're doing in me. I ask for those who are present and feel that you are calling them to bring their whole selves, to bring the places, the cracks where the light gets in, Lord, that they would come boldly before your throne of grace in this meal, hear their invitation to your table, to bring all that we are to be transfigured. Lord, we thank you that if Moses qualifies, if Elijah qualifies, if you can transform their violence, if you can transform their stuff, Lord, that you can change ours. Thank you that the Spirit that shined through that cloud is present with us today. Lord, we want to shine with you. Show us a picture of humanity that's as good as Jesus. And may your divinity shine. Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you were encouraged as you listened in. As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you. So please drop us a line via our website or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings, 10 a.m. every Sunday in the hall of St. Barnabas Anglican Church at 86 Bowen Road, Bowen. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.